Welcome to And Almost Starring, the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And snap out of it. We're looking at Moonstruck. For better or for worse, out there is a universe where it may seem bizarre, but they were almost starring. Amy Joe, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Oh, Jeff, how you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm good. Are we committing to the Italian no. accent for the entirety of the nope, episode? My, no, my Italian Immediately accent we dropped it. is better as a joke um, <laughs> than in reality, unless I'm mm-hmm. do I can give you a strong like Brooklynese Italian oh. influence, but I folks sure. <laughs> not to the level of uh not to the level of what we heard in this film sure. no sure 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 uh and this film is of course moonstruck which came out on december 18th 1987 we are almost at the 35 year anniversary of this film <laughs> and what <laughs> sorry just doing the math on that uh-huh. uh and it was directed by norman jewison and written by john patrick shanley um, we are, of course, doing this film because uh, we're kind of, we're celebrating our favorite boy, Nick Cage, because we've got uh, him, Nick Cage, in the, the role of a lifetime as Nick Cage in The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, uh, which I've been hearing. Wait, he's actually playing himself? Good things. Uh, yes, he is playing himself. The premise is that he is is like almost bankrupt he's like declaring bankruptcy and some rich weirdo played by pedro pascal is like i'm gonna pay you a million dollars to come to my birthday party but then it turns out that he's like some kind of gun running villain of sorts yeah and you got tiffany haddish as some kind of agent trying to help get in a cage to help them take down pedro pascal uh it's looking like a lot of fun so it's like adaptation but more so but even more so but like pedro pascal is he's cage his character is cage's biggest fan he's got like a dummy of cage in face off uh and like the golden guns he's got like all of the memorabilia like it's i've been hearing surprisingly good things all right that's all i'll say i haven't seen it yet obviously because uh, we're recording this a little in advance and the movie will be dropping in a few days. Um, but you know me, folks. I'll be there <laughs> soon enough. You sure will. Uh, I'll probably <laughs> skip it until I'm forced to until watch Until we cover it on this podcast. Who almost <laughs> played the role of Nick Cage? John Travolta. Wowie, wowie, wow. We should have known. Uh, so, Amy Jo, what is your experience with Moonstruck? Had you seen it before? I had, but I really think this is only my second time seeing it. You know, late 80s. Because I was born in the early, well, I was born in 83. So like late 80s is like, I was certainly not watching a movie like this. And it wasn't one that like, because my brother and I were both young at this point, it's not one that my parents were going and seeing that sort of thing. You right. Know? So I didn't watch it until really a few years ago. Um, but I've long known the work of John Patrick Shanley. Yes, um, yes, yes. Because he writes for... He writes for the theater. Um, so it's very funny because I feel like a lot of people had the reverse experience of getting to know this movie and then maybe seeing one of his plays or something. Whereas like I was very familiar with yeah. his plays and then years later saw this. So it's it's impossible to like extricate the like theatricality and largesse of his like onstage stuff and the kind of weirdness of his onstage stuff from this movie yeah well he's got those two modes when writing for the stage you because you he also he wrote famously doubt is like mm-hmm. his most famous play it won the pulitzer it became a movie with merrill uh but he has so many plays that are so much more like the movie moonstruck yeah that are like well, just- more like joe versus the volcano you know, just kind of bonkers. I, bonkers, sure. But I mean, even just more of like simpler, I'm thinking things of like Italian-American reconciliation and yeah. like short plays like Welcome to the Moon and uh, and whatnot. But um, I'm thinking like, um, oh my, it just like flew from my mind. Like, where's my money? Which I don't think is a great play overall. I do not think it all like adds up. But there's, there's like, he marries like bonkers out there premise stuff. There's like ghosts and they're just like people <laughs> fixating on weird little things that like you, it's just strange that it got put into this like major motion picture that did well. And I think because it's so focused on Italians and Italian Americans and opera that we like buy it as this like, Oh yeah. Contemporary opera. It's just a wonderfully heightened comedy, but like just heightened enough. Mm -hmm. I mean, of just having everyone, you know, of like, ah, I should have taken a rock and bashed it in my head years ago. It's like, get me the big knife. I'm going to slit my throat here. You need that. Yeah. Which is so perfect that then 
Ronnie is like, I'll leave you alone forever if you go to the opera with me. Because that is what this is. This is yeah. full-blown opera where we're just not singing. We're just slapping and shouting instead. Uh, and it is wonderful because of it. And I also only saw this once before. Uh, in college, I saw this with a friend uh, randomly. And I don't. I honestly couldn't tell you one thing about it. I don't even remember if I enjoyed it. I believe I did. But that was it. I never I thought it. to revisit it. Never like... And I would totally be down to rewatch it i could rewatch this again tonight yeah i thought it was so fun so charming i've watched it with i think within the last 10 years or so i hmm. watched it and i like when we sat down you were like i don't remember anything about this i was like i remember i really enjoyed it and then as soon as it started well as soon as it started with the dean martin you know it goes the and i just started going <laughs> like i couldn't be uh, stopped um uh, apparently it was supposed to open with music from la boheme from the opera but sure. then the test audiences were getting antsy and they were like is this some kind of art, art film yeah. that we got tricked into seeing so then they switched it to that's amore is perfect oh yeah it's it immediately you're like we're in italy oh well maybe we're not but like we're in an italian state of mind it's like very the, that that's what's so great about like a, a dean martin number like that as it's like it's so American and it's so Italian, which is exactly what this movie is, you know? So I feel like, all right, you know what? Good on those test audiences for, for rough rifling through. Good on you know, them. For screwing it up. Uh, the only time we'll ever say good on them test audiences. So spoilers ahead. If you haven't seen Moonstruck, you haven't seen it in a while, here's a brief-ish synopsis. Uh, we meet Loretta Castorini, Cher's character, who is a- The character. The character, uh, who is a widowed- uh bookkeeper i believe i believe yeah, it's a profession we get like one to... little scene early on um but she's she's widowed her husband died, was hit by a bus killed instantaneously she had bad luck and she has bad luck she didn't do it right from the start she, so she right. had bad luck so she accepts a proposal from her longtime boyfriend uh johnny who immediately leaves to go to the bedside of his dying mother in sicily uh, and tells her, please, like, get my brother to come to the wedding. My brother, uh, They're Ronnie. Johnny and Ronnie. They're Johnny and Ronnie. Ooh. Ooh. Hey. Uh, <laughs> so, which, of course, is Nick Cage, who they is just... The the original title of the movie was The Bride and the Wolf. Because uh, oh. he, he has lost his hand and his bride, which he blames on Johnny which he really arbitrary very arbitrarily real stretch to blame on johnny that he like got distracted and like his hand slipped into the cutter and now they got bad blood there's bad <laughs> luck and there's bad blood all over this movie you're a wolf you, you chewed off your own hand to get out when she realizes like oh actually this metaphor is working even better as i'm coming up with it like you see you chewed off your own hand to get out uh but then they wind up sleeping together which is like such a great instantaneous 180 uh within that what an amazing scene between the two of them so good. um but yeah she says like we can never see each other again he's like fine if you go to the opera with me and it's like this really this all takes place over like one for the most part over like two days a long weekend yeah, yeah. Um, which the main thing that I found like hmm, about that was like, he managed to get back from Palermo in this amount of time. It's very quick, very quick turnaround. He got those express flights from like, Palermo into New York. And we meet Rose, uh, Rose uh, Loretta's mother, the great Olympia Dukakis, MVP. who is aware MVP. that her husband, uh, Vincent Cardinia, is having an affair and Cosmo. Like, so, yeah Cosmo so we're kind of getting like it's a bit of an ensemble piece at times which I kind of which I love I that love we get it. these long scenes without Cher and Nick Cage uh of just of Olympia Dukakis at dinner with John Mahoney and it's like oh, this is all so so good. many killer character actors in these medium to very small roles there's that one waiter who has I think one line twice and it's absolutely yeah when john mahoney is just this teacher who just keeps dating his students and twice we see yeah. him get yelled at and then a glass of water thrown in his face and both times he's the exact same line to the waiter where he's like clear cl pretty much clear all remove her stuff all away remove all evidence of her and bring me a big glass of vodka. vodka absolutely just the way that the waiter is so just like I am with you, sir. It's just so, it's like such great, like, of course, at this like classic old school Italian <laughs> family run restaurant, it's like the customer, like, like Bobo, oh, yeah. the guy, the main, like the, I guess the guy who owns a restaurant, Bobo, or whatever, yeah. who's also a killer. He, he's like crying, getting the, the champagne to like set up, but he's like, <laughs> are you crying? Yeah. 
a good bachelor customer for 20 years and it's just so good but oh. like there's there's the old woman at the airport who's just like these people with like one scene like and they crush just everyone there's not a false note in the film and not it's like one. people could be a little more careful in how they cast and you end up with something like this where it's like that waiter saying absolutely gets a laugh both times yeah and it's like you didn't have to cast someone that good, but isn't the movie much better for it? It sure is. And you know why? Because the casting director oh, hey. of Moonstruck was Howard Feuer. Feuer has also cast such films as Philadelphia, Groundhog Day, Dead Poets Society, and previous episodes, The Silence of the Lambs, To Die For, and The Truman Show. Okay. This guy can Kills cast. It. Kills it. <laughs> Kills it. Good job. You know what? Good job, Howard. Uh, let's move on to some of the actors who were almost cast. Some of these people may have auditioned. Some may have just been discussed by casting. This is all subjective. And as always, I've looked up all the actors in advance, and Amy Jo is hearing it along with you, listener, for the very first time. So let's kick it off with that Loretta Castorini played by Cher. Amy Jo, your thoughts on Cher, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? I mean, she's fantastic. She's Cher. She's Cher. But also, like not trading on anything that makes her share in this outside of after the makeover when you're seeing her as full movie star yes, share but even then even that she's not like there's nothing performative about it no i guess is what i mean um and it doesn't there's the she just like leans into even when she's looking glamorous like just she's so rooted you never for one second are like now how is this like shining star still living in this house in Brooklyn kind of thing, you know, like right, right. she's just so good. So yeah, I think she's great. I say a uh, good job. <laughs> Cher. Um, but Cher says, no, Cher's like, I don't want to do your stupid movie. So what are you going to do? Uh, Who are you going to cast? I'm going to look at a long list of Italians okay. is what I'm going to do, which is basically all I did for the <laughs> time. Uh, so okay. same, 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 age very oh, different vibe okay. i mean completely different vibe but would it also be funny and would she handle the comedy deftly mm -hmm. Manelli. oh of course she would i would love that Liza Manelli. now she's someone who's very performative but it also always feels lived in like yeah you know um she's hilarious as we know you as we know you right? no she would be hysterical yes it would be amazing Different vibe, closer to what Cher is doing. Why not go with Carmela herself and get Edie Falco, who, as we know, yeah. can bring the thunder when yeah. it comes to acting. Um, if this were made like 15, 20 years earlier, like Anne Bancroft, oh, um, I just sure. wish I saw in more things. Yeah. Um, and then a little bit later, not, at, well, she is very funny. So what am I talking about? Marissa Tomei. Oh, yeah. I was like, I'm just thinking of her more recent stuff. I'm like, well, she's so tragic. Oh, wait, yeah. she she won an Oscar <laughs> literally for being the funniest person on earth. Uh, Marissa Tomei. And then this is who I think if they were going to remake it today, who would be first in line? I'm not I'm not saying I, I'm I convinced. I feel like I know the exact same person you, as you. I think, should we say it together? Yes. One, two, two three. Lady Gaga. Gaga. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, that was good. <laughs> Well, you know, there could be a hundred people in a room. But, but only one of them is a like single named uh, pop star with intense, immense celebrity and extreme uh, Italian roots. There you go. I also was like, you could do Edie Falco if it was made a little later. You could have could have done a Lorraine Bracco. This she right did cross my mind because she's she's funny, too. And same Marissa Tomei and Lady Gaga. It was all, all the other ones I could think of. Um, so Norman Jewison, the director, always wanted Cher. Like that was his like number one. We got to mm -hmm. get Cher, which is great because she yeah. was not considered. You know who's Italian that neither of us said? Who? Madonna. Because oh. you know what? No, thank you. No, no, not not for me. No, not for me. No, no, not, no. Not my moonstruck. Um, Hashtag not my moonstruck. <laughs> no, I mean Cher is also not Italian, but it she but slides she gives in, it to you. Like she's she given it exactly. She slides into the role so well. It really is. I mean, she's great in all the post makeover stuff as well. But there's something like all the pre makeover stuff. With I the think grays is so good with and... the grays, but she's got like it. Honestly, did remind me of because I see more recently Lady Gaga in A Star Is Born. Now, that's also why I was like, they'd probably get Lady Gaga uh -huh. if they were to do this again. But she's just so good. And it's, it might be 
I, I don't, I mean, I think she fully deserved because she, her and Olympia Dukakis won the Oscar. I think she fully deserved it, but I wonder if it's also seeing her be that people so, are so surprised. normal. Yeah. Um, even though this wasn't, she'd already been nominated for an Oscar for Silkwood at this point with Meryl. But yeah, she'd been, she had made a movie in a little bit, I think. And then this, this same year, she had Suspect with Dennis Quaid and The Witches of Eastwick. I think all this year. Wow. So this is kind of like a big return to mm-hmm. the movies for share but she was not considered like a huge box office draw at the time film wise at right, least. Right, right um so it's a little bit like we're getting share is this gonna work uh and it worked so so well this is the thing when i work with actors on when i coach actors on shakespeare i find a lot of like musical theater and i've probably said this on the pod so forgive but i find like a lot of singers and musical theater actors in particular have this like inferiority complex. Like, Oh, I can't handle complex text. I'm like, you can handle size though. Like singers are used to like, it's a, like you're carrying a big emotional weight to put a song across. So you're Mm. not afraid of that heightened quality. And Shanley is heightened text. Like for a long time in my twenties, I was really uncomfortable doing contemporary plays, but I could work on Shanley. Cause I was like, no, 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 no. The style is pitched so high that it doesn't feel conversational chatty like normal day-to-day like oh, no. it's so high this is like greek tragedy exactly acting. which i feel like actually for a singer who can act like share is a great fit because it's like well i'm not afraid i'm gonna be too big i'm gonna yeah. make it work you know yeah oh Every, everything everything i love but all of that like climactic scenes with cage like in the in the kitchen uh, oh that scene in the kitchen is so good <laughs> and the yeah. way that they uh, and i'd forgotten this until we were watching it again last night the way that they, the two of them in that context seems so like they fit so well. And yeah. then Johnny comes in and he just seems so oh, out of place. So, just whereas so it's like, he just like belongs there immediately. The family yeah. seems comfortable with it. It's like such great acting from everybody. Yeah. And it's just like, oh yeah, they all belong around the breakfast table together, you know? Yeah. I didn't mention in the synopsis that it ends with Johnny comes home so early because his mother had a miraculous recovery. Mm-hmm. But because of that, he's now afraid that if he marries Loretta, his mother will die. So he's like, the wedding is off. So, and like <laughs> Ronnie's like, great, Loretta, will you marry me? And it's like, can we Where's borrow that the ring? ring? Where's the ring? Right. So they take the ring from Johnny and this great grandfather character who really is the MVP. He's, he's just so like great. crying. And they're like, what's wrong? What's wrong, grandpa? I'm so confused. <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> oh, we could be crack up. Such a good reveal. <laughs> So, though it might seem, of course, in retrospect, this is going to be a big runaway comedy hit. It would win Oscars for lead actor, lead or lead actress, supporting actress, and screenplay. But at the time, none of them were really convinced that this was a hit, uh, especially Cher. While filming between takes, she motioned to Olympia Dukakis that the movie was going to be a dud, and she thought that she was giving a bad performance. Uh, which just she goes to show getting a razzy. just goes to show that uh, we are our yeah. own harshest critics. And sometimes we can't see, especially in film, when the it's the movie's made in post, totally. the movie's made in editing, uh, that it can be difficult to know. If, like, especially is this, any of this gonna work? That's bigger, where it's like totally. it can be so much more embarrassing on film than absolutely than on stage, where it's like, yeah. oof, yeah. you're in you're in the wrong movie. Yeah. Well, let's see who wasn't not in this movie at all which right off the bat john patrick shanley wrote the role with sally field in mind and she turned it down uh interesting i can't see it but i she does like i think of like soap dish that's the same pocket i'm I'm picturing on soap dish them doing a soap opera version of moonstruck with her as loretta and as ronnie kevin klein well he is on my list if it was irish so (laughs) there's one of my there's one of my ronnie's gone well that's why it's for soap dish which is why you have yes (laughs) non-italians um i don't know if sally field is italian i I would doubt it but what do i know but if this was made i mean today sally field is rose sally Mm -hmm. field is the mother i think that temperamentally that that she would be beautiful yeah i mean it's basically still magnolias you know yeah yeah uh Demi Moore was considered. All right. Yeah. It's not for me. I get it. She's stunning. But this is like a few years before Ghost. Yeah, this is one year after about last night. So this is like full and like some and then before that St. Elmo's Fire. So it's full Brat Pack era. One of the things I think works so well about this is she's a 
grown adult. She's in her 30s. She's 37. She's closer to 40 than 30. So she's just like, I've been married. I waited. I tried this. I tried that. It just feels, I don't know, just so like their stakes are different for a woman of 37 who is like, maybe I'd like a child than a 22 or 23 year old, however old Demi Moore was. I Um, agree. To me, I'm more interested in oh yeah the the person where the stakes are higher, and also where she's just like I've lived life. I don't need this. Like her resistance can be more complicated. Yeah, Deborah Winger turned it down. Uh, oh, I think would have been good. I think those few of the similar notes that we have about Demi Moore. I'll admit we've mentioned Deborah Winger a number <laughs> no, of times in this podcast. Never seen her in a movie. I don't know if I have. <laughs> Am I a bad person? No, of course not. There's some secret movie with uh, Deborah Winger and Channing Tatum. And uh, although you have seen Jared Leto in Fight Club, but other than that, Jared Leto, all these actors who like some movie that you just have never seen. Ryan Gosling. The Avengers of Ryan Gosling, the Avengers of of, uh, actors who you've only seen one or fewer movies. Every time I hear Deborah, Deborah Winger, I think, okay, so not Deborah Monk. Not Deborah Monk. Deborah Monk is Rose. Yeah, I'm into that. I'm into that. See, I know who Deborah <laughs> Monk is. <laughs> uh, Gina Davis auditioned. Okay, she would have been very young at this sure. point. This is right between the fly and this is the year before Beetlejuice in terms of wow. gauging her. So she is. She's, I, believe, I do think she's a stronger actor than Demi Moore. So I am. I'm more interested in that. Um, I didn't put down her age, but I think she is a little older than you're thinking. I think she yeah. is in like her early 30s. Yeah, there maybe late 20s, but I think she's like closer to like 31, 32 mm-hmm. around this time. But what the thing that Gina Davis has is just that like she's so well, I guess to me more to a certain extent does too. But Gina Davis is just like so grounded. Mm. And when she's not, it's because she's choosing to play that, yeah. you know, whereas Demi Moore has fewer colors in the palette. I feel sure. Sure. I, I hear you. I hear that. Maybe I mean, we also, unfair. it's well a well-documented fact on this podcast that we just love that Gina Davis. Well, we're being perhaps a bit biased, Can't but I do think most people would say she's a better actor in terms of just technique skill. I don't think that's too wild to say. I don't think uh, it's a big swing. And I'm kind of into that, but that sound Already? means it's time to play a quick round of Two Truths and Some Guy, or in this week's case, Two Truths and Some Person, because what? Gender, Gender is, is dead. dead. The way it works, two of the following actors were up for the role of Loretta, and one was not. And Amy Jo has to guess which is which. Oh, goody. You ready for this? Probably not. Your options are Oh, boy. Bernadette Peters. <laughs> Barbara Streisand. No, you did exactly. And Liza no. Minnelli. You clearly didn't have this planned until we did the Titanic episode. And then you're like, you know what I'm going to do? Exactly what they told me I should have done <laughs> for Molly Brown. Bernadette, Barbara, and Liza. Them's the three. <laughs> Interesting. Because, okay, you have Liza. Mm-hmm. You have Barbara, you have Bernadette. You do. They're all like New York girls, mm-hmm. you know, like even though, you, you know, people lived on other coasts, this or that, like they're all like, they've spent the time in New York City, baby, you know? I'm going to go, it's not Bernadette. That is correct. As far as I could tell, it was not Bernadette Peters. Oh, but I'd be so good at slapping them around. She, uh, <laughs> uh, she is Italian. She's 38 at the time. Liza Minnelli was 40. Barbara Streisand was 44. Um, but I, I, I'm, I mean, Bar- Bernadette, would she, would, she's just not known for those film performances. She pops up in films occasionally. She was, but- and she was in a lot more up through, like, you know, like the early 90s and everything. But she's she's also just much more like sex kitten she's never not Mm. giving you some version of sex kitten you know sure i hear that um but i could see it but liza and barbara were both considered uh so there you go ding 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 to you for guessing liza minnelli which i really do dig barbara i get i so get it i get it and she is there are so many i mean barbara also lest we forget is an actor you know so like Yes, in some ways, did she become like a, a caricature of herself? Sure, but also she's very, very good. Um, but it does feel like the kind of comedy Barbara does versus the kind of comedy Liza does. This leans more in Liza's oeuvre. 
Sure. I feel like this is a character that we've seen Barbara play before, whereas this was like so fun to see on Cher. Yeah. Because it was so... Totally. Different. Yeah. Uh, and Liza would make this just such a wild... It's it's a... I don't even know how to describe it in terms Liza of the comedy, but is, with Liza, it's a farce. Liza's chaotic good. Oh, you know what I mean? The goodest chaos there ever did was. Whereas like Cher is like lawful good or, or maybe not share but share in this character and barbara streisand chaotic evil <laughs> no, just true evil <laughs> uh let's move on to, i don't think that about barbara by the way don't, don't come for us barbara uh don't make us work in your cellar mall uh let's move on to rose castorini amy joe your thoughts on olympia dukakis uh and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else she's so good yeah she's that the scene at the that long scene at the breakfast table again you can tell that this is a this is someone who's also used to writing plays because like some of these scenes are quite long they're broken up and shot in such a way that it still feels cinematic but that breakfast scene at the end that's like a long scene yeah when she like looks up at him and at, at her husband she's like i want you to stop seeing her and just like the 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 like l- way that the light is hitting the tears in her eyes and everything but she's just it's oh it's devastating she's so good i mean the whole time she's so good um my first thought and this would be more today but a a little more recently than today is andrea martin oh yeah who is also so funny but like to give her like a real like role that also has those pathos and like a little drama to it i would love uh, the woman can deliver um, and then, because she is the same age as Olympia Dukakis, and Bancroft. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> like just, oh, dang. Yeah. Um, and then I thought maybe, because she's also around the same age as them. It's not perfect, but like maybe like a Rita Moreno, you know? Sure, sure. Um, but, you know, it's it's hard. This, this one was hard because she's yeah. so indelible. And I feel like... It's it's like we were doing with Titanic even more. It's just like it's hard to unsee it once you've seen it. It's true. It's true. Uh this was a hard one for casting as well. Um, but fewer remembered Olympia Dukakis, a character actress known for years to most in casting, and read for the director, and he hired her instantly. This was like the huge break for her. Cause she'd like been in movies, yeah. but like a lot. Like she's I think an uncredited police detective in the first to death wish. It's like not wow. This was a huge breakout for her. Uh, and I also had the only other person I had was Rita Marino. And I was like, if I got to have someone else, give me Rita. Um, not Italian, of course, but neither is Olympia. Greek. Yeah. Well, yeah. so is Andrea Martin. So, Oh. Or maybe she's not Greek, but she's she's a, like a Mediterranean. Maybe she's, well, anyway, regardless. So Dukakis, similar to Cher, did not know about how the film was going she said we were all stupid and didn't understand what norman jewison was really doing one day we were sitting around talking and somebody asked Cher what she thought was going to happen and she gave the thumbs down nobody really expected too much out of it yeah so it's so so funny from so funny to me jump like frame two we're like in you know it's just so so well crafted it's truly one of those that there's no warm-up time needed you sit down and you're like oh tell me more you know (laughs) just just the setting it's so alive it really made me want to go back to italy even though most of it takes place in new york you know it was just like i don't know you just i just it feels like a really comfortable sweater and and so funny i don't know it's i feel like i could spend a lot more time in this movie Oh, totally. That's why I could literally throw it on again tonight. It yeah, was well. so fun, so charming. Uh, but a ding, ding, ding to you, Amy Cho, again, because Anne Bancroft was considered, Work. but uh, her fee was too expensive for well, the movie. she was at that point, yeah. you know, huge. Yeah. And Olympia Dukakis is like, nobody knows me. Nobody Worked knows me. for everyone except for Anne Bancroft. Well, sure did. Although I'm sure Anne Bancroft was, was doing fine. just fine. Uh, and Maureen Stapleton was considered, oh, but was okay. also considered too expensive. Yes, also a big star but at that point. Yeah. But oh, she's great. Yeah. yeah. I'm digging it. Uh, and finally, we have Ronnie. Amy Jo, your thoughts on Nicolas Cage, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? So here's the deal. I did have a different experience of him this time than I did the previous time watching it. And I think I've just seen too many bonkers cage performances to 
eradicate them from my mind. You know, like I remember this is kind of sorry for taking it a little dark, but I, I knew this person very early on in my like time in New York City who I just thought was like super nice. And then the first time I saw them drunk, it was like the veil fell from their eyes. And I was like, oh, I don't think you're a nice person. And I couldn't even then when he was sober unsee that I could like see it and how he interacted with people, but he was just better at covering it. And I feel like that with Cage watching mm. this, I'm like, I see the like weird unhinged stuff you will do that doesn't work that if I didn't know that, I think I could just enjoy the size of it. But I yeah. feel like I feel his hands on it in a way that took me out of it. Yeah. The cat bit. was out of the bag or the bunny could not be put back in the box. You couldn't. If you will. <laughs> and sadly I will. Although I still think it's, it's a very fun use of him. He's so good looking. Like he's like, it's a really great use of. I mean, uh, body wise, he's in fantastic shape. He yeah. looks a fright from the neck up. He not always depending on like how he has his hair done and how he's lit. I think if they lit him more like a, like a movie star, um, it, he still is like handsome enough to like get away with looking like a, a young kind of not traditionally handsome character actor, but like Fair enough. there, there's a scene yeah. when he comes to the house for the first time, like toward the end and his hair's all slicked back. And I was like, the cheekbones are working. It, yeah. He looks right. great. Okay. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I liked it, but I didn't like it as much sure. as the first time I saw it. Cause I was like, I have too much information. I guess sure. what I get it. Cause he was only, he was 23 Jeez. when they filmed this. Mm hmm. Which you forget because Cher was in her early 40s. Right. So you like forget the age difference because he's all he's got all the chest hair and yeah. like the the stubble for uh, the first his first scenes, at least. Mm -hmm. uh, the, it doesn't read that way from the jump. Right. Um, because I think like Dana Yellow as Johnny is like 30 something years older than Cage. Yeah. <laughs> playing brothers. But did you have other actors oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. you would have cast on? Um, I have written Kevin Klein if it were Irish sure. um, because also Shanley writes a lot about irish american people and italian american people um so i was like oh there is a version of this where it's irish and then kevin klein is in it because you want someone who can play size someone else who can play size mm -hmm. this if it were made in like 10 15 years earlier are you gonna be shocked to hear me say raul julia oh i am a little shocked because he to me i'm so used to him as like a calm opposed to like that level like a frenzy the wolf yes but i think of like like a feral the, you to, i just him don't think in the feral. 70s like yes sure. I, I hear what you're saying there's like more control well, there's there, a lot that like, i've not seen of his yeah but also like i'm thinking this is so niche him in adam's family the first one not sure. adam's family values when when fester is like like what is wrong with my brother and he's like losing his mind and like dying slowly he's like singing swing low sweet cherry and you know and, and which is just like oh dear he does do frenzied it's just very particular that's true that's true but i you know I what i'm down believe again he has the theatricality oh absolutely as we know. my other thoughts are this is this is someone that shanley wrote for a fair bit back in the day is john Turturro. yeah so I, I was him, thinking that, yeah. And also like a Bobby Cannavale, obviously that, more That recently. was like top of the list. This was made a decade later. Who else? Top of know? the list. Yeah. Um, and then I thought, although I, I think this person also, even when they were much younger, like was never a leading man type. Um, but like Chaz Palminteri, yeah. I, I'd be interested in. I don't know, he doesn't tend to play this kind of largesse, but also, you know, I haven't um, you know, I didn't see him on the stage when he was younger, but he you know, Bronx Tale yeah. was a one person show he wrote for himself, you know, so. Totally. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I love Cage. He's he's always caging out. He's always doing his own he's thing. He's always in that it's, cage rage. It feels weird. It works for the movie because it's so weird. And because you, you need that because it's so sudden, it's like a scene and a half. And now they're going, these two characters are going to bed. And it is so like. He, you know, it's like a bride without a head, a wolf without a foot. Mm -hmm. And he just throws the table over, grabs her up and kisses her. And then she's just like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then kisses him back. And she, he hoists her up. It's like, where are we going? Son of a bitch. Where are you taking me? Bed. And her head just drops. drops. I mean, all of that, all of that. She's like, fine, fine. 
Okay, take me to bed. J- like, take your revenge out. He's like, what about Johnny? Take it out on That's me. So funny. Take your revenge out on me. Leave, leave it so there's nothing but the skin over my bones. But you need someone that is so wild that you're like, this is... It could only be happening in this kitchen yes. between these two. And he's certainly a people. live wire in that sense. He's a live wire. He's he's I mean, you know what really helps is that first scene with him when he's like down all sweaty at the, the ovens, going through his monologue about Johnny's got his hand, Johnny's got his bride, is the girl that's in yes. love with Cage, who's Again, like tearing small up. Small part killing it but that so helps if it was just him and sherry you'd be like what is this weirdo but you see the other guys like "Ooh, i don't yes. want to ronnie's having one of his moods and then you see this girl like tearing up over his story and that you're like oh other people aren't looking at this person yeah. like an, a crazy person other people are like this, this poor poor man and honestly even if she didn't have the line like i love him but he'll never know like i would yeah, still yeah. know that oh you yeah she, she, she didn't need a line the me. line is the cherry on top but she, yeah. she was so good she did not need a line she's just so wrapped at his monologue and then tearing up uh, whoever that actress was. Uh, Also, I'd mentioned because he seems to be missing a tooth or two in the side of his mouth as uh, Ronnie. Also, I was saying he looks a bit of a fright from the neck up, especially in those early scenes where his hair is wild. He's been working in the ovens. Um, Near the ovens, not in had two somehow baby teeth which i don't know how he still had baby teeth but he had he was just a little baby for the movie birdie in 1984 he had two baby teeth pulled without novocaine to get into the mindset of his no uh, veteran no character no so i wonder if he just had like a fake tooth like put in that he was able to easily take out and he just kept it out for this to give him more of like a wild animalistic look i honestly don't know i'll also say his accent's bad i could it was he doing an accent or is he just doing a voice he seems to just be doing like a deep but the thing is everyone else is giving you like italian american from brooklyn Mm -hmm. to varying degrees of not of success but of varying like thicknesses and it was watching this i was like oh yeah i think he's born and raised in california maybe i'm wrong but i believe you know i was like this this isn't someone who was raised in Brooklyn. And I just, I can. Definitely not raised in Brooklyn. I can just hear it. I can hear it's like the, the open. When people sometimes are trying a lot, but they are not that specific in their attempt. A lot of other sounds will infiltrate based on what they've heard. So there's some sounds that feel like they belong in like a Southern accent, which doesn't mean, I mean, there's, there's sounds like, I think of like South Jersey, Philadelphia, there's certain rural, uh, not Philadelphia, rural Pennsylvania that sounds a bit Southern weirdly in some of the vowel treatments. So like, there's definitely stuff I don't know, Yeah, but, um, it doesn't sound like everybody else's. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. And there are certain kind of like, ah, instead of I, or I, you know, there's just, it just feels weirdly not as quite uh, in the same pocket as everyone else's. And that, I think, uh, now that I'm saying it, that took me out a little bit too, just because I was like, shouldn't you be able to do this? Well, the voice is almost even worse. Because going along with the wolf theme, Cage wanted his character to speak like Jean Marais in the black and white Beauty and the Beast. The, f- the French one? The French one. La Belle et la Bête? Yes, so he said, quote, he had that accent and his voice was very gravelly. And I thought of my character in Moonstruck like a wolf who spoke with a growl. And so I was talking like that in the movie. And I got a call from the director, Norman Jewison. And he said, Nicholas, the dailies aren't working. And then I started hearing names of other actors and I thought I was going to get fired. I had to quickly drop the Jean Murray. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. But that's like such an example of like a 23 year old, 23 year old who gets I mean, and I do it, too. Where like um, you get an idea in your head and you get very excited about the idea rather than like what really serves the story best. And sometimes yeah. you don't know until you try it out. And that it's is true. one of the big differences between film and theater is like in, in rehearsal periods. Sometimes you can be like, this isn't working, is it? Is but true. like it doesn't that sort of thing doesn't fuel the operatic quality and the size. Yeah. In, but I get how he would think it might be a good choice. Right. You know? But overall, I think it ultimately works within the context of the film. It's like, clearly this guy, this character yeah, yeah, yeah. is not getting an Oscar nomination. And I don't think it's good. 
but I think it works in that the it is such a wild card energy. Absolutely. That you get how it is such a week over the weekend. It's like we're in love because it's like so yeah. str- it's such strong choices. I'm not like mad about it. No, but I am kind of like, oh, this isn't this isn't quite as good as I think I thought it was. However long ago I watched this. It doesn't take me out of the movie. It's just. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not exactly what I want. It but- just doesn't like. Yeah propel me forward the way like all of olympia like olympia dukakis and john mahoney scene we were just like oh, what's happening that the the one the old lady in black at the airport who has just like that little monologue i put a curse on oh, that plane man like that share her with share when when daniello like takes off to go to Palermo to see his dying mother and she's just like do you got anyone on that plane it's like yeah my fiance my sister's on no, that no no plane. first she goes i put a curse oh. on that plane <laughs> My sisters on, on that, that plane. plane. Yeah, this whole that is an incredible scene that so could easily be trimmed from the movie, but is so and shares funny, so unbothered by it, so unbothered. <laughs> this it's so whole monologue good. about how her sister took her man just to be hard on me, and how like now I put a curse in that plane. I hope it lands in the ocean. Yeah, I don't believe in curses. Yeah, yeah. Neither do I? <laughs> um. So, I also was like, obviously, Bobby Cannavale. Uh, if this was made later, I could see, of course, an Adam Driver. It's oh, like giving me exactly how what did I, I want. not exactly think of I that? I yeah, I could see a little more of a baby Mark Ruffalo. I'm, I I'm thought of him. In. I just wasn't sure because I guess I haven't seen him in some of his early, early stuff. His energy seems so much chiller. Than I mean, this, he I did Awaken Sing on Broadway. Oh, he did. You know? Yeah. All right, I, yeah, I, I take it back. He's got it in him. He's got it in him. Um, I could see closer to the time. I could see this is back when he was still trying and when he was beautiful. I could see a Mickey Rourke. As soon as he said trying, I was like, <laughs> is it? You said and beautiful. I was like, it's Mickey Rourke. <laughs> uh, I'd be interested in a young Christopher Maloney. I'm like, what's oh, he oh, given yes. me in like the late yes. 80s? Uh, if this was made a little earlier, I could see I could see young Travolta. I think Travolta oh, yeah. is given a solid the man solid is not afraid of size. ronnie yeah um and it's a little wild he'd be 25 at the time give me james gandolfini now i just i was wondering about him but again i don't i don't know what he was thinking of him on the sopranos because i watched those first four seasons throughout over quarantine because he's not someone that is like a traditional handsome leading man type right. But then on The Sopranos, he's still, you know, that you still oh, yeah. buy it. You buy he's, he's all these women that he's like dating and sleeping with. And you buy it just because of the level of confidence. And I'm like, yeah, what's that look like? Yeah. That he's just like a heavy, more heavy set, like swarthy James Gandolfini, like balding James Gandolfini. Mm-hmm. But it's like none of that matters because he is a wolf and he wants this woman. That's a good point. So that, I think, is what I want most, is I want a baby James Gandolfini in this role. <laughs> teeny Feeny. I want that Teeny Feeny. <laughs> ah, the Teeny Feeny. Uh, so the studio heads had Peter Gallagher in mind for the role of Ronnie. But what? Cher adamantly wanted Nicolas Cage, as she thought he could play crazy more realistically. Well. She won. Play is a strong word. Play is a strong um, word. So she shot a screen test with both with Peter Gallagher and one with Cage. And after the screen test, the studio still wanted Gallagher in the role. But Cher fought for Cage and said that she would not do the movie without him. Well, and they like have great chemistry together. So that's also something they that you do. just can't like. There's only so much of that you can act around you know i feel like i and i don't know if that's the case but it's also you know you've got i i my mind just jumped to john malkovich talking about doing death of a salesman with dustin hoffman mm-hmm. about being like that you know other actors like maybe would have been a little nervous to be like oh shit it's dustin hoffman like i've gotta mm-hmm. i'm gonna go read with him and john malkovich is like i don't care so i just went there and i was throwing him around a little and he loved it uh that it's like that nick cage is like i could so see him being like yeah. I don't care that this woman is Cher. That means nothing to me. I'm, I'm an, an act. artist. I'm an artist. I'm an actor. <laughs> um, whereas Peter Gallagher, may, or may, maybe it wasn't, you know, if there is any kind of like hesitancy about like, oh, it's Cher, and you got to just oh, yeah. be the wolf. Yeah, I don't know. You got to pick her up and throw her, throw her around. It's not the kind of thing I ever would have thought of for Peter Gallagher. No, but it does make me think then I'm like, you know, what had he been doing? I think he did. Was he Edmund in that like that Long Days? is what he was doing this year was the that when they filmed the Long Day's Journey with him, Jack Lemmon, Bethel Leslie and, and Kevin so and, so. and 
he who shall not the be old so and so. Yeah, but that did make me think because Edmund is not a role that tends to uh, no translate to this. But no. imagine but like, Nick Cage is Edmund in but Longest a Journey, and you know, I'm Absolutely. thinking like a like weirdly Philip Seymour Hoffman is more like I'm, that's you know I wouldn't more than a Robert Sean Leonard exactly if you're gonna take that production and sure. I am who Michael Shannon as Ronnie. Now, don't That's think he didn't something. cross my mind. That is an energy. That is an energy. <laughs> that is a singular energy. And very tall. Very tall. He's got the tall going for him. Apparently, Nicolas Cage is not as tall as you'd think. Really? My parents saw him. They were like in Paris. This is a million years ago. They were like in Paris. I forget if they were like staying at some nice hotel or something. And he was coming out as they were going in. And my dad's like 6'3". And like he was substantially shorter than my dad. Oh wow! You know, it's that kind of thing. We're like, oh, you're lying on your IMDb. So you're saying that both of us could take him in a fight. Uh, well, I don't know about that. I don't. I don't. I'm not, I'll make a little table on the ground, and you could just push him over me. Okay, now that, there we go. There we go. I can just body <laughs> check him. You know, good to know. If we had to, we could take Nick Cage in a fight. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I feel he's too unpredictable for us. Oh, you know that's a good point. He's su- like suddenly he's like pulling glitter out of his pockets and throwing it in your eyes. <laughs> glitter blindness. Glitter blindness. Oh, the patented cage maneuver. Uh, and Ray Liotta auditioned, which oh. Jewison apparently wrote in his director's notes needs style and too young. Though he was thirty-two at this point, opposed to Nick Cage's twenty. Three. Well, some people, like they were saying about Johnny, he's the big baby, you know, like you can you can grow old without growing up. This is true. Needs style. This is true. Burn. I mean, that's the thing. I think it works temperamentally, although he's Leota, not as well known for his comedy chops, no. which is what you need Correct. in this. Yeah. So I think ultimately it does work for the movie. I totally agree. Even if I... Maybe instead of House of Gucci, we should have gotten a remake of Moonstruck with Gaga and Adam Driver okay, instead. Okay, now I'm interested. <laughs> but it, it is the kind of thing where I do think this is a role that could have also gotten an Oscar nomination if it were just handled with a bit more yeah, I think um, so. uh, deftness. Yeah. Yeah. I could say it. But those were all the characters that I found other casting options for. There are a few characters we didn't mention. I want to briefly touch on them. There is Danny Aiello as Johnny Camareri, barely in this movie. because he's so great. He does make a good impression. I do love his early scenes, the proposal where Cher's like, no, you got to get on your knees. And he's just crawling on Where's his the knees ring? over the ring? to her. And you know he's planned this, and yet he has not planned this. Like, that's so telling oh, yeah. that he's, like, planned it being like, I'm going to propose tonight before I get on the plane. But he clearly thought of it earlier that day. Right. Yes, exactly. It's like, oh, I got to go be with my mother. I want to be pro- engaged. engaged before I go. Um, but he's good. He was like he's a rough he had a rough uh, uh uh relationship to this film because it was like i'm playing the wimp i'm just the guy that just is given over his his girl like that guy's like in my neighborhood didn't do that so he was a bit of ashamed of his role in this there's a certain of that old school because yeah. he's 30 years older than cage at this yeah. point so there's a bit of that old school Italian American bravado. Because it's like, yeah, I don't want to be associated with that. It's like, but you're great in the movie. You do a great job. I think it's also because it's Cage. Apparently, that whole last scene with all of them took a long time to film because there were some like dust ups and blow ups between the cast and with him and Cage of just being like, just like, just say the lines, like just be a professional and do your job to Cage and feeling like I'm losing my girl to this kid. Uh, like about being like, what woman is gonna leave me? For Nicolas Cage. <laughs> well, the way they have him costumed in the movie, a lot. Yeah, yeah but I think he does great. Oh, yeah. I, I think, think I would not know that yeah. there, he's not performing any kind of shame. No, that, no. Not any kind of shame that is to do with a role. You yeah. Know? Uh, we have Vincent Cardenia, who is our oh. other person that was nominated for an Oscar. There are three acting Oscar, uh, acting Oscar nominations, and he was the third as Cosmo Castrini, which is a bit, he's great, but it is a bit surprising. It just feels like a bit of a small role. I know, but um, he's, it's. Or he, not a showy role. It's that moment where he like stands up, slams the table and sits back down. It's like that yeah. kind of, it's just, it's very lived in performance yeah. you know yeah this is the year after little shop of horrors which is what i mainly know him yeah, from same. as mr mushnik and he's so i don't even know if i recognized him i didn't at first like i was like first wait who's I this actor it. like that's vincent gardenia i was like oh that that's a really good mark is that he is so different between these two films that came out a year apart but yeah he's great mm-hmm. he's great that vincent gardenia 
and John Mahoney, who we've talked about, uh, but he is he makes a meal out of this yes. limited screen time. And and when when it, <laughs> when it cut to him for the first time in that very first scene where he just has like that one line, I went, "Oh, what a baby!" When he's clearly <laughs> he is, his 50. hair is silver, his he's hair is 50. gray. But I was just like, "Oh, little baby John," <laughs> and then I stopped myself. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> but he does look quite young compared yeah. to many other parts. Not but sure. um, it's also, I think it's just that w- thinking about them on the sidewalk at the end of when, when he yeah. and, and Olivia Dukakis have like a, a Olivia Olympia Dukakis end up having like an accidental like dinner date. Cause it's like, cause she takes herself alone. to dinner alone. Cause Vince Cardenia is not home. He's out at he's, the Met with the his mistress Mona. Uh, so she just decides to go to dinner and then John Mahoney once again gets water thrown in his face, take away every piece of evidence of her, bring me a big glass Absolutely. of vodka. Absolutely. And she's like, do you want to have dinner with me? And it's just her Because she like, keeps asking different yeah. men, like, why do men chase why women? Why do men chase women, yeah. Because she's just realized, like, Cosmo's cheating on me. Yeah. But, um, but they have, like, this lovely, interesting, like, you know, what, what like, a well-written, well-constructed series of little scenes between them, you know, and then they're out. He thinks that he might be on a date and she just thinks that she's going to hopefully get some answers to why men are men. And then he like walks her home, you know, they run into her father-in-law, which is like, but, um, then she, she gets home and, and it's his like boyish energy where he's like basically trying to get asked up you know right. and oh it's so cold you know yeah oh, that, man it, he's so like a little boy yeah like and it occurs teenager. to me now that that's part of what it's not just that he looks younger it's that he's energetically playing again someone who grew older without growing up yeah you know totally. um and it's it's such a good performance i don't know i really love it the you can two see them are how so like, good together these, it really helps both of them absolutely yeah but you can see how all these young women you know because that happens with an yeah. older professor it's been like oh and then and then this immediately is, get yeah, fed up with him. This is not for me. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, he's so good. And he said that this film is what got him widespread attention and helped him get cast in the TV series Frasier. Well, there, yeah, cool. There, yeah, cool. Uh, and finally, we have the grandfather. Uh, I'm butchering this name, Theodore Chaliapin Jr., uh, who ad-libbed his interactions with these five dogs throughout the film. Of him, oh. just he's got so many dogs. They're beautiful dogs, uh, and. He, like, you can't take your eyes off him. Him in the background, just dealing with these dogs, just going about his business. Oh, man, if you give one more plate of my food to those dogs. If you give one more piece of my food to those dogs, I'm going to, it wasn't even I'll kill you. Like, it was, it was something else. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to kick you until you die or something. (laughs) I think it was that. I think it was, you give one more piece of my food to those dogs, I'm going to kick you till you die. And then he just turns right back around and comes back (laughs) to the table. Yeah, he's just nonplussed. But it's, it's also like him. The scene where he's like brings all the dogs out and it's the night of the Cosmos moon, you mm-hmm. know, the big moon is there. He's just like, don't make me wait. Come on. How? <laughs> yes. Ooh. And then all the dogs. Oh, beautiful. I cried. Beautiful. We're like, let's just howl at the moon it's together. It's so sweet. I clutched my chest and I cried. Uh, so he had great difficulty hearing the other actors as the Jewish and the director recalled that he would get, he got his cues by watching the lips of the actors with the line ahead of his. Mm -hmm. And whenever they stopped talking, he would start. But before casting him, Jewison phoned his old friend, Sean Connery, who had worked with Charlie Penn in the name of the Rose a few years prior. Mm -hmm. And Connery said, Norman, he can't see, he can't hear, and he'll steal every bloody scene in the film. (laughs) Oh, I love character actors. I love all the actors. I love it. I'm confused. I mean, come on. It's so good. Uh, So, Amy Jo, final thoughts. Anything we haven't touched on? Any characters? Because there are. It really is such a, like, a cavalcade of, like, great, great performances from top to bottom. It's, you know, what? it's like the attention to detail to everything in this movie. So the first scene that we see Sharon, she's working at the funeral home, you know, and that like the, the guy who is the funeral oh, parlor director. Tony Azito, who yeah. I know as the police sergeant in the 80s Pirates of Penzance Broadway show. No. And then the uh, subsequently filmed, filmed version Kevin with Kevin Klein. Uh, that I've watched a bajillion times. I recognize him from something else too. He's got such a unique face, but uh, like unique face, unique. But voice. regardless, like he's in that one scene, and he's yeah. great. But it's it's the little things like 
they're having coffee, but because they're Italians, he's using a little Bialetti mocha like thing that like, that's what he's using. They're not using like a regular coffee, but it's just like that kind of attention to detail from the jump tells me like these are Italian Americans, but also like we have like people who have immigrated. We have first generation, second generation. Like it's, it's just that kind of attention to detail leaps off the screen. And then I wrote down a line I had in our exchange. I'd completely forgotten that made me laugh so hard <laughs> when they're at the Met and they're looking at those gorgeous Chagall paintings, the huge ones that are there. And, and she goes, it's kind of gaudy. And then Nick Cage goes, well, he was having fun. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of Mark Chagall just be like, I don't know, this will be eh, I'm having fun. <laughs> so. Uh, so I'll end with this. Speaking of Cage. So he was in his early 20s. When he was in his early 20s, he, as he said to the Baltimore Sun, he wanted to make the kind of movies that are essentially punk gestures. He said, I read the screenplay to Moonstruck and thought, I would never pay money to see this film, but my agent insisted I do it, practically forced me to do it. When I saw the finished film, I didn't know what in the world to make of it. That was my era of wanting to make new wave alternative films. And he said, I was in such a state of shock that I had made a sweet romantic movie. I had to go and do Vampire's Kiss right after. If you don't know Vampire's Kiss listener, do yourself a favor. Immediately. Pour yourself a tall glass of something alcoholic and watch Nick Cage think he's turning into a vampire. And that's why you will be able to see why I had trouble with Moonstruck. Because what what have we watched a lot more in this house than we've watched Moonstruck? Vampire's Vampire's Kiss. Kiss. (laughs) (laughs) I can't get enough. I'm a vampire. I'm I'm a a vampire. Amy Joe, what are you recommending this week? This is a little off what I would normally recommend, but it is spring and it's allergy season. And as a singing professional and voice and text professional, I do get asked a lot, what do you do for allergies? Oh, and so I just thought I'd share great. some, a lot of you who are singers will know you some know of this what? stuff. You know what, Cher's Loretta, she's always helping. She's always like, don't yeah. eat that, eat this, because you're going to go on a plane. Like, you're going to do take, this. I'm going to be halfway to Sicily. Take this. You'll be so sweating. So you're just following the thread. I'm just you're giving you my inner Loretta. listeners with the inside scoop. Okay, here's a whole bunch of things you can do. Number one, get yourself some apple cider vinegar. Now, you... It, this is good for you to like have some of every day. You probably want to have a little bit of it and then d- dilute it with, I prefer a little warm water. You can do a little gargle with it and then you swallow it. It's good for your uh, digestive health as well. But I find that it really cuts through the phlegm in an effective way. You Annihilating also, that phlegm. Annihilate that phlegm. Uh, you can also get, we have this really great like highly concentrated peppermint oil that you would never want to ingest. It'd be terrible for you. But you, you get like boiling water. You'd put a few drops of the peppermint oil in the mug and then you just smell <laughs> and it really clears up the nasal passages. I find that very effective. Um, neti potting, of course. A lot of people resist neti potting, but it is uh, very effective. I, I was one of them and it sure is effective. Yes. And I have also found... Um, you so some people also resist it because they've heard about like you know you can get like a, a brain parasite if you use just like tap water so you need to either use like distilled water that you then heat up in the microwave or or you just need to like we boil ours and then we'll let it cool and use that so it doesn't need to boil be super those hot. brain parasites away well don't use it super hot or that is terrible but you want to use enough salt uh, you can compensate by using more salt than hot hot water if that's easier for you and then i've also found adding alcohol to it which you can get at any drugstore is great very effective you're like whoo cleans you right out um you can all, steam is the most effective because that's putting moisture directly on your cord. So if you can go to a steam room or if you just like, you know, get a bowl of like hot water and put a towel over your head, that sort of thing that if you don't want to buy like a steamer, like you can get at, um, not a steamer for your clothes, for your face. Um, but that's steam that face, steam that face. Good for your skin. Great for your cords. That's also like, you know, just sitting in the shower for a while. Good. The thing that we would swear by in college was you get throat coat tea and then you put honey in it and a little, like a dash of cayenne pepper and that is effective um i prefer just taking a spoonful of honey and like swallowing that i find that very helpful and then if you do have to sing or something like that and you're like man it's so dry in here having a few potato chips or french fries that grease that salt very effective um and And very delicious and very and also you know what 
a great excuse to eat some <laughs> potato chips. So again, a lot of you will know a lot of that, but some of you might not. And, you know, try some of it out. See what you think. These are hot tips from a singing professional, people. You know, we do what we can. Anyway, so those are my, my spring is the worst with regards to breathing through your nose tips. Love it. Jeff. Amy Joe. What are you recommending? I'm I was also going to recommend uh, <laughs> neti potting. No, I'm going to recommend a movie uh, because this is a heightened, ridiculous comedy with a big, big heart. I'm going to also recommend a similar film, at least to me, uh, Kajillionaire, which came out a few years ago. New Miranda July movie with Evan Rachel Wood, uh, which is about Evan Rachel Wood, Richard Jenkins and Deborah Winger as this family who are just like not they're grifters kind of in that they are just like living like the most minute amount they they can they are just like scraping by but that's how they like it and finding like the smallest ways to make money and like saying of how like oh everyone wants to be a kajillionaire but like we're the ones that are actually like making a living until they meet gina rodriguez and who throws all of this like tight-knit weird families planet like off off the grid, off the solar system. Uh, so it's it's a very heightened at times. It's very weird, but there's just beautiful relationships throughout, especially the like between Evan Rachel Wood and Gina Rodriguez. And it beco- starts becoming this very moving like relationship comedy within this very weird, wacky world that Miranda July has created. Uh, but I loved it and it made me cry. So that's what <laughs> I'm recommending for this week. And that's what both of us are recommending. Do you have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of? Email us at andalmoststarring at gmail.com and let us know. Are you annoyed not knowing what movie we're going to do till it drops in your feed? What are they going to do? Oh my gosh, you're going to go to Instagram, follow us at andalmoststarring, and every Saturday, why dang, we'll post what it is. No need to fret. I'm no longer fretting. Oh, phew. Uh, Until next time, I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Mitchell Jackson. And thanks for joining us to see who almost starred.